Welcome to Trollerton Behind the Scenes. I'm Chad Corey. This is episode five of what is the first episode of season two of this podcast. Again, welcome. I'm Chad Corey, and we are going to get right into some fun things here. But first, I wanted to do a quick little shout out here, making people aware who might not be aware that Trial of the Wizard King, the second book in the Wizard King trilogy, is presently available for pre-order, and we're getting very close to its release coming up just a couple weeks away or a couple months away in March 16th, 2021. I'll encourage you to check out the website, chadcorey.com, for more information about upcoming events and uh, fun stuff like that, promotional things like that. We'll we'll be doing some stuff online, too, myself and Dark Horse and other people, uh, sharing some, some news and fun things and reviews and things like that as well. So I'd encourage you to check out social media as well. And if you aren't following me uh, on there, uh, please feel free to do so and uh, check that out as well, as well as check out the newsletter and subscribe to that. I'll post some information and updates about that as well. I don't uh, seek to spam anyone. I just try and keep people introduced to what's going on and keep them informed about upcoming tours and stuff like that if they're interested in their neck of the woods. But the book is out. It is available for pre-order now. Like I said, it is coming out as a ebook, is a print book, and an audiobook. So you got a couple different options there, and you can certainly take advantage of it online as well as going to the library and requesting an order copy in for you or go to a bookstore directly and have them order a copy as well if that's uh, of interest to you. And I want to kind of end this here by saying that Triumph of the Wizard King, the third book in the Wizard King trilogy, is also available for pre-order. That'll be coming out uh, in just a few more months from now. It'll be in August 31st, 2021. And uh, that is, like I said, available in all three formats. So you shouldn't have any challenges in getting hold of that, too, if you wanted to get both books uh, taken care of. So you can kind of lock up the whole trilogy, as it were. And, of course, Return of the Wizard King is still available right now in uh, bookstores, libraries, uh, all over the world, basically, on the Internet. You can get copies of it that way as well. So I want to keep you abreast of that, what's going on. I will certainly let you know what's happening as we get closer to the release date for events and things as applicable. Okay, that said, what are we going to do this particular episode? Well, I thought it'd be fun to do what I've been talking about doing for a while, and that is answering some questions that people have uh, have asked or may have had, and uh, kind of seeing if I can give people the information they're seeking on them. Now, again, if you want to ask a question, you're certainly free to do so by sending it to behind. That's B-E-H-I-N-D at chadcorey.com, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E, that's dot com. And uh, you can certainly send me some comments, information, questions about things you might want to get some answers to, anything you want to know more about, about the podcast, things that you wanted to see me talk less about maybe, or more about, whatever the case might be. Uh, basically, feedback, questions, information you might want to pass my way, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. It helps me know basically that people are listening and what they're looking at for in particular, as well as giving me some more information for possible material in the future that I can incorporate and answer questions like I'm trying to do today. So traditionally, I'm, I'm trying to group them into, uh, I guess, categories, is for lack of a better word, um, of what I typically have gotten in the past and what I can answer for everyone who might be interested. First and foremost is... 
is this all that I do? Is this, you know, I write and write and write stuff like this. It, basically what they're trying to say is, is this Trilodron, is this the only thing that I do? Fantasy stuff. And the answer is no. I do a lot of other varieties of writing as well. Right now I'm finishing up a YA, a totally different type of, uh, I guess, quasi-fantasy type of setting. But it's a, it's a young adult trilogy. I've also done and continue to do a lot of graphic novel work, uh, comic book work, actually. In fact, I'm developing another world right now, which will be specifically comic only in its telling of the uh, in the world setting. So there's a few more like that I got planned in the future as well. Uh, I do short stories. I have written a combination of various things, whether it might be like short skits and things that I've actually had the privilege of seeing produced on stage to you know, a podcast and things of that nature. I've done uh, role-playing game design, uh, just a lot of different other things. Game I've written for some game companies in the past, just various flavor texts and things like that and other things as well. So I have kind of a, I don't want to say eclectic background, but I, 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 I don't dabble necessarily in things that I don't have an interest in. I, I seem to gravitate more toward the comic and the, the prose side, in specifically in the fantasy, science fantasy, and, and maybe a little bit young adult category as well. I've also um, recently, I'm beginning now to write again, I'm finishing up a standalone novel that's a more of a, I guess you could say fantasy, but it's not fantasy in, in the uh, in the high epic kind of thing like that, like Trollodon might be categorized, and it's not really a dark fantasy either, so kind of something... Something in between, something different, and it's a different world setting, different flavor. Um, there's no elves, there's no dwarves, or things like that. It's kind of a different fantasy, like I said. Trying not to say too much about it because I, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away until it's actually finished, completed, and uh, submitted for publication. But the plan is to have uh, several volumes in that series. Again, they'll be standalone and move forward on that. So, so I, the answer in the long-winded version, I guess, is no. I, I do write other things besides. Trollodron and uh, and even Trollodron is something that is very nebulous as far as what is being developed from comics, books, and things of that nature, which we'll get into more probably in more future episodes here. Like I mentioned last episode, some things are going on in the background, and hopefully we'll be able to share more about that soon to some extent in the near future. Uh, another question is, how do you say Trollodron, or combination that is, why did you pick Trollodron as the name of the world setting when it seems so be, so hard to say? Um, it's, I understand. Uh, I sometimes uh, have a slip of the tongue and say things goofily, too. Uh, basically, it just came about as something, like if you read the very, if you listen to the very beginning of this uh, podcast, there's a three-part episode that talked about the genesis of Trollodron, how it got created and how it got produced. And I would encourage you to check that out and kind of learn the basics of the genesis, if you will, of how it all got started. But in reality, it just sat, it was just me sitting down uh, to some extent, playing around with some different words that looked well and good and language and, and, you know, twisting some things around and see how it sounded and what I thought worked. And while it was kind of a little cumbersome at first, and there were some tweaks and some things uh, in the beginning process, I've been working on this now for, like I said in those episodes, you know, a couple decades at least. I mean, it's actually 25 years, something like that. So by now, it just seems normal to me. So it doesn't seem so strange as it used to seem because I've been writing it all these years and I've been saying it all these years and hearing it in my head all these years. So it doesn't seem as, as strange. In retrospect, um, 
would I have done that differently? Would I have, you know, said that, spelled it, said it differently? It's possible. I mean, everything's always possible when you look at it with hindsight. Uh, the big challenge, the big decisions now that I'm uh, making when I do world design and stuff is obviously how things sound. If translation issues, if things can be uh, confused or misconstrued in different languages or they end up being translated in something kind of really bizarre or offensive, which I, I try to avoid. So there's there's a lot more work on that front when I do uh, names or place settings or even you know world settings or things like that. I try and uh, incorporate those elements in there as well. So I, I'm thinking for the future. I'm not trying to you know put myself in a box that way or make it hard for people later on to try and wiggle out of that box. One of the elements, of course, is audio. Um, I learned that, especially now again with the audiobooks coming out just how challenging some of this stuff can be. Um, particularly if you've been reading the trilogy, uh, the first books have some of the spells written out or people speaking them. And that sounded like a fun idea at the time. You know, oh, it was really cool, really neat how that sounds until you realize you have to pronounce that. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily know how to say some of those things. And so that was a challenge to figure out. So again, I'm, I'm still learning in the process of refining and, and, and re, redesigning some elements of, uh, of Trollerin and the uh, other worlds I create as well. So would I, would I possibly go back and, and change things if I had to wait? It's possible, yeah. But I, I, actually, it's not that difficult of a word to say once you get it basically figured out. I mean, it looks daunting, yes, I understand. There's maybe a couple different ways you could take it, but... Once you hear the you know, Trallodrin, um, it's it's not not too challenging to to incorporate into your day to day speech if that's what you want to do. So yeah, that's it's a good question. I get that asked sometimes, and so I thought I'd put that out there too in case you know more people are asking that. Yes, that's I just came up you know it came up to me after playing around with some words and, and challenging it out and kind of seeing what worked and you know it, it was tricky at first, but like I said, now it's something that I'm. I'm so used to it. It's like my own name. I'm used to it. It doesn't seem strange at all. Uh, the other thing is, why did you make Trollodrin the way you did? In other words, you know, people think it's islands, and really it's not necessarily all islands. I mean, there are you could call them mini-continents, if you will, or there are some islands, yes, but I, I look at some of them as continents, some of them as smaller continents, uh, really, if you do a size comparison of some of the land masses, you're looking at them being equal to, you know, some of the states in the United States. I mean, that's still pretty sizable. I mean, even with a car, for instance, it takes about, oh, what is it, four or five hours just to get to the very top of, you know, or to Moorhead of Minnesota, if you know where that is from the cities. You know, that's almost the entirety of the, you know, not the entirety, but it's almost the entirety of of the state from top, top to bottom. Again, not not exact, but I mean, so that gives you a rough idea. That's in a car. So if you add that into the, the horses and stuff, so I mean, it, it's a pretty sizable chunk of, of real estate. And you can see, you know, you got a whole history of England taking place in a very small locality as well. So that's not to say you can't do things and have a fun environment and story and stuff in that parameter of size. It's it's just to say it was something different and fun. The, the reason why the sizes were the way they were was because, if you know the history, and I'm not, I don't think I'm giving too much away here by, by sharing this, is it's basically the result of a great cataclysmic shaking that took place 
thousands of years previous. And so what you're looking at is the very tops of the highest sections of the land at that time that didn't get swallowed up by the oceans and seas that still managed to exist, you know, for all these hundreds and even, you know, thousands of years later. So that's what you're really looking at. If you were to go below the waves and go deeper into the, the, the crests and valleys, I mean, not the crests, but the valleys and the, the deep parts of it there, you'd see that there's a lot of land that's still there that people could look at and explore if they'd be able to go underwater and and do so. It's just that a lot of it, like I said, has been inundated after this time, and a lot of it's been torn up and corrupt, cracked and you know scattered about through the various cataclysmic elements that took place. There's actually a larger collection of land masses um, in the southern hemisphere, which we don't really talk about too much in the first book series, but it does exist and it has been fleshed out and written up and everything, and it has their own complete unique history of it, which I think is really kind of fun. And those are much larger in their uh, configuration and, and organization, so it's a totally different kind of flavor and feel down there than it is up on the northern hemisphere. But uh, they, to answer the question, yes, it was, it was done on purpose because of the cataclysm. Uh, does that mean it's necessarily uh, conducive to boat travel? I suppose you can say that. I think part of the element was, too, is to keep these more self-contained. At the time when I was making this world setting, which was, again, about 20 plus, 25 years ago, um, everyone was doing these massive continents and everything was, you know, all these huge, gigantic land masses and everything just sprawled from one side of the continent to the other side. And basically, you're just walking the entirety of the world in the series of the, the story or, or things like that. And I thought that was, I wanted to do something different. And so part of it was to break it up and have these self-contained little pockets of of culture or, or reality, if you will, in the, in the midst of these seas and oceans. And that allowed for some distance, that allowed for some isolation and it allowed for some individual stories and things to develop and cultures to flavor and and, and permeate the area that might not necessarily be able to uh, have done so if there were a big multi-landmass, which usually tends to end up getting gobbled up in some type of empire or endless series of wars and stuff like that. So it was part of the way of keeping it unique and, and uh, distinct as well. Some questions of, of I'm kind of you know combining these together. Is do I have any favorite characters? Do I have any favorite uh, characters in the books or characters that have been created for the world setting? Um, again, I don't know how to answer that without giving stuff away. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do have favorite characters. Usually, what I the characters that I have that are my favorite ones are the ones I'm doing or <laughs> writing at the time working on at the time. That's usually kind of how it, how it works out. Although with the Wizard King trilogy, again, I don't want to give too much away because it's not fully published yet, I, I really did enjoy some of the story arcs that took place with the the main characters, but even some of the side characters. I was really surprised with what happened to uh, with what happened, what's happened to Rowan. Uh, I'm surprised with what happened to uh, to Haddock, and actually all of them. I'm just surprised with the end result for the main characters, how they all developed and changed. It, it, they went in some different directions that I wasn't necessarily going to um, even explore initially, and they ended up going there anyway. It was kind of fun to see what they did, and uh, kind of frustrating trying to work around their, their decisions to where they wanted to go, but it, it worked really well in the end, and I was very pleased with it. I was actually probably most surprised by Rowan. I was surprised uh, by how well Cadreth turned out. I, I thought uh, 
you know, he had the potential to be, again, I don't want to say too much because <laughs> you know, not in the whole book here, but he had the potential to go one way that might not have been as interesting and exciting, probably more generic vanilla, for lack of a better phrase. But he actually turned it around and went a different way that I thought was fun and interesting and uh, actually ended up liking the guy in a lot of ways. So again, that's fun. The characters I like, I think in the world setting in general, um, I, I'm kind of partial to tall people since I am a tall individual. So I kind of enjoy more of the tall races. But but that said, uh, I, I think the halflings are fun. They were fun to write. i just been going over some more of the uh, the history and refining some stuff there for the the gnomes and halflings. I'm really just amazed at some of the fun stuff that has come about through their culture and their their race, as, as gen- and generally speaking here, that it was just very fun, interesting, and invigorating. I'm actually kind of getting excited to try and find ways to put more gnomes and halflings into some stories maybe in the future because they're very fun and uh, interesting just in and of themselves. But no, I think all of the character races are fun. I think some of the more interesting ones were some of the creatures that exist outside the planet, like in the, the various cosmic races and things like that, I think those are the those are fun to create because they just you don't have necessarily the, the boundary of known reality. And that was fun to create those. I think the gods turned out well. I, I, I really enjoyed, we'll get into more of this, but I really enjoyed the, the fiendish princes. I think those were some fun, uh, very fun and unique characters to incorporate into the mythology as well. And we'll, we'll talk about more about those maybe in the future too. Um, there's just a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in there that we haven't really begun to touch on yet that I'd like to do so at, at some point, but I don't want to give too much away, especially now when some of those elements will be tied into the Wizard King trilogy. Second question is, why did you start with the Wizard King trilogy? Was there a certain reason why that is, you know, you chose that path, lack of a different book or something else you could start with? Basically, the idea with starting with the Wizard King trilogy was I wanted to do a benchmark. And as you mentioned, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I have uh, what you can call like an over an overview or an omni plot of the entire cosmos. What's going to happen? The entire world setting, basically from beginning to end, how it's going to, how it was born, how it's going to end, and then the incarnations that might follow after that. So there's a basic timeline, a basic flow to things, how things are going, and that is something that is always going to be in the back in my mind and always going to be in the back of the stories that's the driving overplot or the omniplot if you were but you have to have some place in the middle of all that where you can kind of you know put down some anchors and say okay this is the the, the, the touchstone the benchmark so to speak and everything else can be coming after that or can be before that and you know it kind of serves as a basis for that so why why did i choose the wizard king trilogy um it just seemed the right fit it just seemed to be the best thing at the time. And it really incorporated kind of a transitional period in time for things that are going to be happening now in the future and things that allows me an avenue now to build things up to that point in time, going back in time as well, which I am looking to do in, in the near future as well with future stories and things. So it was just a fun way to incorporate a very interesting story or a key element in the overall Omniplot but do it in such a way that introduce not only the world setting, but different cultures, different races, kind of give you a flavor for the a tour of the world, shall we say. And a little bit of an epic battle and, and fun stuff like that as well in an entertaining uh, style. So that was the general overall view. I, I, in general, like I said, it just, it just seemed to fit 
stylistically and uh, incorporate the main elements I wanted to get in there to build upon and extend future stories based off of. So hopefully that makes makes sense. Okay, I think we have time for one more question here, and I'll just do another one that's very commonly asked, is do you plan on doing anything else with Trilogren? And that basically means anything else besides books, novels, comics, and things like that. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Um, I do have, like I mentioned in the previous episode, there is a possibility of looking at film and animation development, and uh, we're pursuing that, uh, seeing where that goes. But that, as you know, is kind of a very different type of environment, and given the last year being as it was, and even some things being changed and needed to be changed this year still, it's been a different process in general. But overall, yeah, the idea has always been to make Trilodron a transmedia property, so it's available for all sorts of incarnations, whether it's you know role-playing games, comic books, role, uh, card games, toys, action figures, uh, you name it. Uh, anything and anything that's possible, video games. I mean, breakfast cereal, if you really want to have Trilodronols or whatever you want. Um, but there's a possibility of, of having that. So that's the, that's the short answer. Is there something that I'm working on in particular to bring that about? Yes, I am developing and working on um, a role-playing game for the world setting. And uh, that's been a very interesting and uh, ongoing process. It's not something that I, I, you know, I do 24-7. Obviously, I have other things I do throughout the day and throughout the week and stuff. But uh, it is something that I, I chip away at and get some time in and I write some more and do some more and develop it. And it's been going pretty pretty smoothly. I'm liking the way it's developing. It's, it's something unique and individual. It's not tied into any of the major um, role-playing game systems out there. So I wanted to kind of keep it unique and proprietary. So basically, it would be owned by by me, and so I have the control over it, and I can be able to do whatever I wanted with it, and not have to have a third party involved all the time for having control and input on that. I've learned a lot by watching what happened in the 2000s with the big you know, D20 craze for Dungeons & Dragons, and I see a lot of that playing out now in, in various forms and ways with the new 5th edition, and it's, it's great that people can jump on the bandwagon and uh, take advantage of it, shall we say, but it, it seems very short-lived and very secular, and um, there comes a saturation point that always seems to happen, and I think we're beginning to see that saturation point with the fifth edition as people, more and more people get out there and try and put out their product out there, and you start having more and more stuff to compete for dollars and eyeballs and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to stay away from from that and kind of having control over the the entire process, and which allows greater flexibility and freedom than too for. Different ways it can be developed, implemented, uh, taken off for rights and things. You know, just a lot of avenues that could be explored a little bit easier if you have the entirety of the rights and the control of it to begin with. So I'm not going to share a whole lot about that, What what is where it is in the process. It's it is in the, it's still in the process of being developed and designed. But I, I do want you to be aware that, yeah, it's one of the things I'm working on among some other things that I have been developing in the times past. And, and uh, maybe I can share some more of in the future as I have leave to do so. So I think that's enough answers to your questions today. Uh, again, but please feel free to send some more. I'll try and do this again in the future episode. Or if you have other questions about things you'd like me to talk about in behind the scenes or more information that you'd like to learn that I maybe hinted at in some of my answers, if I'm able to do so, we'll see about doing that in some future episodes. And again, the email is just behind at chadcorey.com. 
Otherwise, hope your 2021 has been off to a great start, and I will look forward to talking with you again next episode. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.